Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Gentlemen, John, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? Good. Papa Brown in the house once again. Yes, a new uh, new arrival to the Undercosh family. Yes. Congratulations. Thank yeah. you very much, lads. Once has been on Zoom. Yes, I'm to blame for that. 15 hour labour without one coffee. Not one. Who's who's the real hero? <laughs> you for me. Did you get some, no hospital toast. No toast, no coffee. Oh, that's the best toast I've ever had. I had to sleep on the floor. Three hours sleep on the floor, man. I couldn't catch my breath. Considered having another one just for another round of that toast. <laughs> Incredible. They lather it in their lure pack best, as well. Best butter. Yeah, they don't mess about. No coffee, sleep on floor, but good bloody toast. Yeah. You know, think about getting a uh, Just Eat delivered or what? I did think about that. But I don't know how a large kebab and... 12-inch pizza would go down while people are trying to give birth. Ward 34, room 12. <laughs> you can't have a wrap on, do it, can you? Just knock on, I'll come out, mate. <laughs> How are you, lads? Chrissy, that looks like a freshly shaved head to me. Uh, no, a couple of dates. Or was it? Yeah. I went, I, I went to Bakewell at the weekend. That was nice. When I went for a bike ride and that. Did you get a Bakewell? I did. A Bakewell pudding, though. I didn't realise that the tart is, doesn't have the, the icing on top. Yeah. It's, not the same, is it? No. So it's it's the pudding and not the tart. Uh, I do like a Bakewell as well. Yeah. Mm. By the way, lads. Oh, I am wasting away. Oh, is it diet going strong, John? Is it? And not one drop of alcohol has touched my lips since the last live show. It's dropping off you. I know, I know. This time, honestly, I, I'm, my ambition is to look like a one wood. You already do a bit. Not a, not, not a penis, obviously. Uh, an actual one wood, but uh, now I'm no, honestly... Pascal Chimbonda one wood. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody... If I, Bad back with a bit of a bend on it. If anybody wants any size 38 jeans, skinny, just let me know. He <laughs> <laughs> did, did do some exercise as well. I've been out walking a bit, yeah, walking dog and that. Oh, it will be Dreams Boys back next tour, won't it? Oh, and the old Weight Watchers. You can still eat loads. It's brilliant. Yeah, have you been going for weigh-ins and all that? Yeah, but I think my scales are broke. <laughs> uh, they weren't quite... The numbers weren't quite matching up to what I'm feeling. <laughs> thing is, I remember having a conversation about a month ago with you, and you said, do you know what? I eat well at home. I have that Weight Watchers stuff. It's just me drinking. And then we went to yours a couple of weeks ago. 
And I was speaking to Kate and he was like, yeah, he has the Weight Watchers and then go and makes himself a pot noodle. <laughs> that, were a, that were a one-off, the old pot noodle. Beef and tomato. Oh, aye. They are good, like. Are you just weighing yourself? Are you in room with, like, Janice and Susan and... Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not joined up. I'm not joined up. Last thing I want is them ogling me all <laughs> on a, on a th- Thursday night for two hours. <laughs> I was sat having a coffee once with the two women going to uh, Weight Watchers and they were they, they were deciding that they had to drive because it was raining and it were a five minute walk and a bit of water on clothes it makes all the difference. Oh, you need to be down there, isn't they? Can't go in wet. You need to pull the cloth off when you're weighing in. Make sure you've had a, make sure you've had a shite and all. And a couple of times <laughs> Yeah, I bet there's a queue at that, that church hall bogs before weighing. But no, no, I can. I, I, on a serious note, I can tell I've lost some timber. I've got a, sh- I've got a shirt, right? I've got a shirt which is just fits me. Well, it's a little bit tight, but so this is me. This is me, guy. I'm not bothered about the scales. As soon as this shirt is wearable, I, I know where I, I know where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. It's Oliver's. It's only fourteen. So I've got, <laughs> You're having a bash as well. You've shaved your chest and your belly, haven't you? I did that a while ago. I did that for the live show, didn't I? The last thing I wanted to be looking like a gorilla on stage. <laughs> for the live shows, thank you everybody, everybody for coming. Yes, and we, we have slid another one in, Barnsley. What date, John? The 13th of November. 13th of November, live show in Barnsley with Big Jerry Taggart, yeah. My favourite bit about the Leicester show with Jerry was beforehand when we were having a, a planning meeting and he went, just stick his... Uh, Stevie Wonder, superstitious on, and I'll do a bit. And he, he did a bit, did he? He did a bit. Certainly did. Came out top off. First guest we've had coming in in skins. But hey, no, I enjoyed, enjoyed the part tour. Two's gone down well. Oh, yeah, very well. Different for part one, eh? Polar opposites, weren't it? Remarkable uh, story, weren't it? Uh, an, an incredible contrast, even if we do say so ourselves. Yeah. You're not... saying you should be an agent, John. Yeah. I know. I know. I think uh, if anybody's ever, I, I tell you what I need to do, help myself. If anybody's ever in any trouble at a club, just get the big dog in. I'm like Big Sam of the agent world, or Tony yeah. Pulis. <laughs> well, you, you don't usually work, you don't usually mess about touting yourself anyway, John. I see you've been tweeting again this week. Yeah, by the way, the apologies for that, lads. I must admit, I am prostituting myself on, on our Twitter. So I do, I do apologise for that. But thanks for giving us the platform, lads. <laughs> no problem. So just on that, if anybody wants to book us for an after dinner, then please do get in, in touch with uh, at dinner speakers and uh, we'll get it sorted. And if you don't know the website, you can just go on our Twitter, just scroll down a couple of days. I'm sure there'll be a post there. Well, there's no need because it'll be going on at least once every week. So I'm surprised you haven't pinned it. You don't, you don't mind, dear lads. <laughs> right, we're good though, isn't it? Like somebody who, who I don't know, he seems to really care about playing football. Yeah, picking up a paycheck. It was it's sad, really, the way it finished. I never once thought because for me it turned into a job, and I'm sure Johnny's the same. But I never once thought that it did for him, which is makes it even worse. He never it? got there, did he? He never got to that point. It it may have got there eventually, but he never got the chance to get get there. Yeah, Greg Ignat this week. Very. It was another one that seemed to be ages ago that we recorded, but another beauty. Yeah. The Ravenelli, Janino, all the all the Middlesbrough stuff. Billy Whitehurst makes an appearance again, which I didn't see coming. Gascoigne. Gaza, yeah, of course. Stuff I'd never heard before about Gaza. I'll tell you what's interesting in this one as well, like like more of an interesting side from his coaching and management 
that's that's pretty fresh, really, isn't it, at Middlesbrough? And Hartlepool, with um, his experiences with the board and everything and having to deal with money, it was probably, I think it was probably the most open that we've had from a manager's perspective. Because managers always seem to hold back a bit, don't they? But from that side of things, our best insight, I think, so far. Yeah, definitely. I know self-praise is no praise, but it's been a strong start and a strong start of the series, I feel. Some good ones coming and all. Well, should we get him in? Yeah. I've seen a few people saying, what's this Patreon about? And we've mentioned it, and we've mentioned it many, many times. But it's two extra episodes a month, if you're not involved, get involved. As well, Chris, I saw a couple of people comment on Malcolm's uh, episode about they didn't know that we were doing a live live tour. So I know we get a lot of shit for the intros that we do, but sometimes there is some valuable information in there. information in there. You know, not, not only about what's going on with the Patreon, and the YouTube stuff, obviously, get yourself uh, subscribed to that. Uh, the live shows, but people don't realise they're missing out on dietary advice, yeah, fashion, relationship advice. Life changes, aren't we? Yeah, life changes, general lifestyle advice, really. So, yeah, stick around. Don't be skipping them intros. You're just missing out. Yeah. Are we, uh, are we nearly done, lads? Because I need to go and cut an iceberg lettuce up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get him in. See you on the circuit. See you on the scales. <laughs> he was saying you were his favourite player of all time Earlier. Oh, he, went, he went public with it as well. <laughs> Did he? No, Twitter. I didn't say favourite player of all time. Better add up. Backtracking now. That be, only because there's one more. Ashley Ward was my favourite player. Wardy, yeah. Wardy were incredible. But Iggy was sensational for, for Barnsley. I kept, well, I kept following Wardy. Wardy had moved and then I'd go to the club he was at. So like when he went, he went to Barnsley, then I went to Barnsley, he went to Blackburn. I went to Blackburn. Then he left and went somewhere else. We just followed each other around like that. He, he were fucking, and he was so good looking and all. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought not you meant when you said you were following him. I thought you meant around the bar. I didn't wait for the tap off. You don't need to be good looking, do you? <laughs> I can remember the, can remember the leather jacket you used to come in. Me? Yeah. I've still got it, probably. No, I haven't got it. Yeah, I do. Was it a, money. a long one? It was yeah, Undertaker. Wrestling. No, everything looked long on me. It wasn't. It wasn't meant to be long. I was just fucking diddy. And I used to wear this leather coat. But I, you know, at the time where I'd meet me hair, where I kept going like that, get it out my eyes, big middle part, and, and this big long leather jacket with you know the combat trousers and that. Thought it was the bollocks. What do you wear on your feet? Trainers. I wore trainers everywhere I went. And that so that, was, that's um, one thing that I didn't look up to him with the yeah. other the leather jacket. The fashion. One. Yeah. yeah, the leather jacket was. Out there, I wore some weird gear when I was a kid. I can remember your debut. Yeah, Huddersfield. Huddersfield, I was telling you, it car, weren't I? Mr. Penn for Attrick. Yeah. I pulled Seven. my hamstring running up to the take that pen. And I changed my mind about 78 times because I'd pulled my hamstring on the way up to it. <laughs> did you come off? Did you come yeah, off there? Yeah, come off straight after it. I hit it. Fucking leg was in bits. I hit it over the bar. I don't know how I reached the bar because it was hanging off and then uh, walked off. Did you have a, an agreement with Darren Barnard about penalties? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, somebody asked about that, didn't yeah. they? Why'd you let him take one? Was it in the final? Yeah, it was like... in the playoff final. He took the first one, missed it. I knew he was going to miss it. And, and it was weird because the, the agreement was if I wasn't on the pitch and he took a pen, 
and scored it, then he takes the next penalty. He had a great left foot. But if I got a my own penalty, I'd take my own. Right. So if you want a foul for it. Yeah, so if I got fouled for it, I'd, I'd take it regardless of whether he was on it or I was on it. Anyway, the one at Wembley, I got brought down for it. Richard Wright come out and, and nipped it past him and then dived. And he um, <laughs> <laughs> made sure he clipped me. You Suck know one of them where you nip it and he's, he's like, well, I'll just, I'll, you see a little trailing leg and it just, clipped. it was a pen, but I had to make sure it was. And um, he took it. I don't know why. Just before half time, missed it. No discussion. Like. Not really, no. I can't, I can't remember why, why he took it. And anyway, we got another one in the second half and I took it. But he, um, I knew, I could tell when looking at him. Why he was going to Yeah, I knew it. But maybe playoff finals are funny, aren't they? People... Sometimes people love them and sometimes they don't. But before that, we all had skinheads. So Ari said to us, I want you to go and get skinheads and I'll take you to a show like the day before or two days before. We went to see Blood Brothers in London from the hotel, but we could only go if we'd had skinheads. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've heard it was quite good, Blood Brothers. Yeah, we all went and had, had um, skinheads, the full lot. Apart from Matty Appleby, who loved his hair. To be fair, it took Matty a good 18 months to get his locks back. Yeah. Yeah. Darren Barnard didn't. Was Ashley Ward still there then? No. He's, he's gone. never done it, is he? No, well, he wouldn't have done it. But them two didn't do it. But Morgs like that. Fucking hell, I'll do it. Morgs. No, fucking He's not coming anywhere near me, Chris Morgan. <laughs> no, he was a wrong one, wasn't he? To wait, was that a, a psychological thing for the squad? Just. Just yeah, get togetherness. Together, yeah. Not just to go to Blood Brothers, I imagine. No, he he made an excuse that we'll have a night out in London. Didn't tell us what we were doing, but he said we'll take you all to London if you go and do this. So Is Jeff it? Thomas was he was like the captain in the dressing room type thing. He said, Right, this is what we'll do. He was up for it. Everyone went, yeah. Everyone done it. Romania did it in the one year with uh, blonde. 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 Yeah, they all went blonde, didn't they? Yeah. That's not too bad, but shaving it. I think I'm going to have to have a night are you, in there. Are you passing? Have a good one, lads. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, to be I fair, they win back, it. So it might not come back. Exactly. But to be fair, I had long hair. That's when it, I still had my curtains then. <laughs> my curtains. <laughs> <laughs> curtains. curtains. They were well, massive they? curtains. <laughs> I, I grew them for years. They weren't going anywhere. Even when I tried <laughs> to get rid of them, they wouldn't go. Kept fucking coming back. If we take it back, mate, four years of crew. Yeah. I left Liverpool at 18 and I and played against Crew two weeks before that. And Daddy was at the game, seeing the game. And then I got a phone call just saying, I'll offer you a, a pro contract. Liverpool were umming and ahhing because I'd been told I was getting released, but I'd had glandular fever and I'd missed, I hadn't missed, I'd actually trained when I shouldn't have for three months. And I was shattered, didn't have any energy or anything. And then when Liverpool found out what it was, they said to me, we'll stay on. And they took me on tour to Holland, um, with the reserves where we played a tournament, done all right. And then they were umming and ahhing and Daddy would phone me up after that and said, I'll give you the two-year deal. So I went. I the gamble at, at that age though, isn't it? Yeah. To think, I've got this chance at Liverpool, mm. but... Liverpool then, were, they were brilliant. Do you know, it was like, they were my boyhood team and I, I loved them to bits and there was no way you were ever getting in the team. There was no one. There was one lad called Charlie Boyd. He was the only one who got kept on out of my age. Um, nobody else did. Did you have the belief, though, that if you stayed, you'd at least be there or thereabouts? I think you'd always it? do, don't you? When you, you're a kid and you're growing up, you always think, I've got a chance. There was always issues over my size because I was always small. and Still are? Yeah. It was... Oh, fuck me now. Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. He must be five foot two. He must be <laughs> fucking nuts. 
Fuck it. I, I thought it, brother. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to insult him. I've only been doing fucking ten minutes. <laughs> fucking ball cracking me. Bench press him after. <laughs> <laughs> but did he? But, uh, did Dario from the off can't not take you under his wing, but push you and yeah, he was get you involved as soon as he could. You, you know when you've. When you've been at a club, Liverpool was geared to the first team. Everything you did was was geared to the first team. You'd get kits out, you'd bundle kits. I'd go to the laundrette after a game on a Saturday and wash the socks and the shorts. There was no kit women there or nothing. It was all the, the lads used to do it. But when I went to, to crew, it was the first time it was like, it was a proper coaching environment. This is what you need to get better. This is what you can't do. This is what you can do. And you learn about yourself. You know, what, can I, what I can do well, what I can't do, what I need to work at. Daddy was brilliant at that. Did and you hit the ground running? When you got in the first team, were you? Yeah, I wasn't in the first team straight away though. So I left. I left Liverpool at eighteen. Didn't play a game until I was nineteen and a half. Maybe I played my first game. I played one game against Wrexham, where all I did was come and get the ball and pass it. I didn't do anything in the game. I played centre midfield because a lad got injured on the day, and I was only travelling as a, an extra man. But I ended up playing, and then I didn't play for a full year and a half after that. I went to Stafford Rangers on loan. Um, played 14 games in a conference there and it was it was really to toughen me up and get used to men's football what must have that been like playing in well, the conference for, you imagine as, that as midget, back then you know yeah playing <laughs> wide right <laughs> playing with there's a lad who, who was a lad called Chris Camden who was massive scored goals for fun but a bit like yourself massive not the goals <laughs> for fun bit but the massive bit and he would look after me so he would anyone who was getting a bit because it was men, do you know what I mean? I was only a little kid, really, when I look back. But it was proper men who were trying to trying to kill you when they're tackling you, because you could. The conference was vicious. I played 14 games in the conference. I scored eight goals, and Stafford wanted to sign me, but Dario wouldn't let them. Do you know when you did get in, were you thinking, if I do all right here, I'm going to be the next one to yeah. go sharp? Because Morris Doyle had just moved to Queen's Park Rangers, who was similar age to me. But he'd played in the first team for half a season, done really well. Went to QPR for under grand and that's when I got in. So I was sort of, Morris had went and I started getting in. We had some real talented lads in our team. and But Dario knew how to look after them. Like some, a part of that season, we ended up in the playoffs. And I think it was the season after we, we were in the playoffs and he'd, he brought Billy Whitehead in. Sorry, Billy Whitehurst. That was purely to look after us. That was it. Just Did to look after us. Massively. So we'd play. <laughs> we would play and he would, we would stand in the tunnel and Billy would look at me and go, anyone kicks you, just let me know. Cheers, Bill. And then halfway through it, you know, he'd say, if you get a chance and you're down the wing, he said, I want you to put a ball up near the penalty spot. Just put it up in the air. Don't worry if I'm there or not. Just put it up in the air in the penalty spot. All right, Bill. Anyway, <laughs> you go down and you do something. He'd be like, put that fucking ball in. All right, Bill, sorry. Anyway, you go down again, you put the ball in, hanging in the air, you're thinking, where's Billy? Anyway, next thing... <laughs> where's Billy? You see Billy, and it, it's, it's up in the air, for, and he's coming, he's got his... He turns his back towards the goal, and you can see him looking over his shoulder, and he's waiting for the keeper to come and punch the ball. And as the keeper comes to punch the ball, he overhead kicks him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and he had this off to a tee. Overhead kick the keeper in the face, the keeper's like... Whoop, whoop. <laughs> he goes... Off he goes, and you, you're thinking, well, people sometimes don't have a keeper on the bench, you know what I mean? But it was, he was unbelievable. Is that, did Beasley not tell something similar? So it, it was a, yeah. a deep free kick, and I think he said, put it on the keeper, and they've launched it, miles in the air, Billy Whitehurst, nowhere to be seen, and he's just covered <laughs> the ground, 
and wipe the keeper Unbelievable. out. Unbelievable. Just to get him off, I think. He would just look at people. Would that go, give you more confidence knowing that you had that protection? Yeah, I was like a peacock. I was like, give us the ball. You stay there. It was like, you know, in the time when people could kick you and if you were taking the mickey, like you, it, very rarely anyone went against Billy. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. I megged him once in training and he chased me for about 20 minutes around the training pitch. <laughs> I couldn't play. I was running around this field. He was coming here, you little bastard. I was like fucking running all over. I said, Billy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> He, he was he was brilliant. We had a, he wasn't there long. We we had a <laughs> we had a playoff game against Scunthorpe away at Scunthorpe, and no one had seen Billy. It was a three o'clock kickoff, and Billy walks in at half two. He's got a pie, his suit on, and Dario said to him, "Oh, you're not involved today." And he said, "No, I thought that." He said, "That's I've been the races, and I've just come with a pie." <laughs> So he'd been Doncaster races. <laughs> he turned up a Scunny with a pie at half two. And Daddy was like, you're not involved today, Billy. He went, no, I knew I wasn't. Fair <laughs> play, Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, mad. What was, I, I, you know, like looking at him and what's a Daddy O'Grady Grady fucking like? I can't imagine it'd be a, you cunt, you fucking. Mm. I can oh, imagine it'd be was, more critical. No, no, he was, he could go off it. He would effing blind at you and, he would have a right pop and, and he, then he would go on the radio and have a pop at you on the radio. Them useless bastards in there. <laughs> and, all, and you know, you get, and all the lads would come in on a Monday and they'd be fuming. Do you hear what he said on the radio about you? What did, what did he say? Yeah, he said you were shit and if you thought you were going to play like that, you wouldn't be here that long. And <laughs> you're like, that's, that's what I mean about the man management bit. Yeah. He couldn't keep it in house. He was that honest. That he'd tell everyone. Let it out, <laughs> he would tell everyone. <laughs> like everyone, you're like, shut up. <laughs> I don't want you to know that. <laughs> like telling everyone how shit you were. That's what he's like under. Oh, fine. It was never an issue. You'd go in, he'd have a pop at your arm. He, one of the weird things, like he used to say, we'd come in after a game. Sometimes we'd win and sometimes we'd lose. And he'd say, right, rate yourself out of 10. And you'd be like, oh, I was like a solid seven. He'd be like, no, you're a four. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you go right around the room. So then you're thinking, well, I'm not going to say seven because he's going to say four. I thought it was a four. Yeah, you were a four. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd always undrag that one. Yeah. Six. You get safe with a six. You'd say you? a six. Yeah, I think that's what we learned. In the end, everyone was a six. You could have scored a trick and you were a six. You know, when it came to like, when you were doing, did you get 20 goals before Christmas or something? Or? Yeah, I had 20. In November, I think it was. Yeah. Would he always have your interest at heart in terms of if sort of club comes in for you, get the best deal for you? 100%. So he wouldn't I, be like, well, I'm only getting 5% rather than 10% from a bigger club or whatever? No, he, um, 100% he'd, he'd look out for you. He, I signed a new deal because I trusted him that much. I had a year left and I knew everyone was... It was at the, Then it was easy then when I was playing. Just before the Just the before goals. I moved... No, during that time when I was playing, it so was when easy. when you're scoring, then he's yeah. giving you another deal. And he's, I knew I had a year left and I knew there was other clubs. Like the Blackburn had come in early. I think Man City had, had come in. Middlesbrough were, were in. I played against them at pre-season. Middlesbrough and scored two. And that's how they, they'd seen me. But I'd, then we started the season. And I think I signed another deal. But I only had a year left. You know when you say, you, know when you, say you sign another deal, are you talking, uh, not figures, but are you talking... 400 quid to 500 quid or 400 quid to 900 quid. You know... You haven't even... It's too high. 
it was 300 quid. So, so I signed for 300 quid at Crew to stay. I think I signed a year. So they'd get more money for me, basically. Yeah. That's risky for you then. Well, it it, it is, but I trusted him that much. And is he open with you in the reasoning for it? Listen, we're going to get you a move. Yeah, he he was... We're going to get you more. We're going to get more money. We'll give you this. It's it's an open conversation. Absolutely, yeah. He's also doing that for the the club's benefit, though, not just yours. No, because he wants to to secure the money for the club as well, because it it was really important that crew... Ain't money off players. Yeah. With Dario good with you when it came to that move then? Were there other clubs involved? He was great. He, um, I think West Ham were involved. Um, we played West Ham the week before that. And they wanted two players. There was me and a, a centre-half called Steve McCauley. They'd offered a million quid, I think, for the both of us. And Dario wanted it. He said, well, how are you splitting that money? And he, he'd said 500 for me and 500 for Steve. And then Dario went, well, no, I want more for me because, you know, I'm worth more than than that. So he, he ended up wanting about 1.3 million for the both of us. And it didn't happen. It wouldn't come through. If if they'd have just said how much you want, because I ended up going to um, Borough for 500 down and then a few add-ons after games. So I did have probably got 600 grand, but he was, I, I get that. And, and West Ham wasn't a, it was a London thing, you know, and I'd never, I'd never been to London. I was young lad I was 21 at the time I think and then Middlesbrough come in and just offered the money so, so he set me up there well 500 grand like a lot of money then to crew or yeah it was um, yeah it was uh, it was a lot of money to anybody at any time but... well it was 1992 yeah so it was it was it was a few quid for them but he, he, he said if you don't want to sign you don't have to sign you know just come back Yeah, we've agreed a fee if you can agree something brilliant and, and you fancy it if not come back that must have been good for you at, what What did you say, 21? Mm. 20, first, I think it was just 22, I think I was then. 22, first year of the Premier League, so they were all... First year of the Premier League, yeah. All the razzmatazz and everything was starting yeah. around around the Premier League and... and uh, well, and yeah, it was, um, it was there, and that was it. Lenny Lawrence was, was manager, went up and met him, got on great with him, nice fella Lenny. How long did he last, Lenny Lawrence, while you were there? We got relegated, he went in that season, the end of that season. And and Robbo came, Brian Robson. How did you find the jump though from League Two? Fine, it was all right. I was my first game played Oldham at Oldham. I missed what I remember missing one in the game, but the game was all right. I found it fine. But I turned my ankle, and he came in and he said to me after the game, he said, "Right, because when I'd signed, he'd said I want you to be, you know, ultra professionals, Premier League. You're coming from it was League Two. He said everything I say you've got to do because you've got to be ultra professional now if you want to get on. So I was brilliant." Anyway, he came in at the end and said, how's your ankle? I said, it's, it was swollen. He said, right, I want you in at nine o'clock tomorrow morning for treatment. So I said, okay. So I get in at eight o'clock next day thinking, you know, be professional. I get in, put my kit on and I wait, I had to wait half an hour. So it's half eight. I go and knock on the physio's door. I heard the physio come in and it was a, a fella called Tommy Johnson, lovely fella who's sadly no longer with us. And he opens the door. He was like Jack Nicholson out shining. Just not, he just <laughs> poked his head in and he went, yes, son. I said, Tommy, I'm, I've come for treatment. I got injured yesterday and the gaffer said, be in at nine. He said, is it nine o'clock? I said, no, it's half eight. He said, we'll come back at nine. And he shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, just nine o'clock is fair enough. He said nine. So I went and waited another half an hour. I go back and I knock on the door and Tommy opens it again. Yes, son. I said, Tommy, it's nine o'clock now. He said, yeah, I'm not ready. He said, give me 10 minutes. And he shut the door without even saying anything. Just shut the door. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm new. I've only been here like less than a week. 
I'm not going to cause any problems. I'll walk. So I'll go back in and I wait 10 minutes. 10 minutes passes. I go and knock on the door and he opens it again. He said, son, 10 minutes. I'm not ready. I said, but it's been 10 minutes, Tom. He said, well, I want another 10 minutes. <laughs> Shut the door. So I went back and the lads started to come in. It's now nearly half nine. And I'm thinking if Lenny sees me not after saying be professional and everything, I said, Phew. so I've, I've gone again. Tommy, I need to come in for treatment. Son, I'm not ready yet. I went, Tommy, and I've pushed the door open like that. On the treatment bed there, he was giving treatment to a greyhound. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, Tommy, are you taking the, are you taking the pit? He said, son, he said, he's running tonight. You've got all week to be fit. <laughs> right? And that was like, fucking, I'm in the Premier League. Here. Like, this is my first being professional in the Premier League. He was fucking giving a treatment to a greyhound. And I'm sat in there for an hour and a half like a right twat. But it, it was, it like, that's what it was did like. It no, I did it for me. <laughs> But it was it was just one of them things, you know. You you get used to it, and um, and it was great. Yeah, I, straight away when I got to, to Borough, I, I really did like it. Yeah, I felt really comfortable there. Steve Gibson come in. He was already in. Steve, he was he'd taken over the club before I think I signed. It was going on right. sort of around that time. And he took it over. He's um, looking at change. Yeah, really. He, he wanted to take the club. Yeah, he was going to take the club. He had so much ambition. Steve, his, his vision for the club was unbelievable, and and that started with Brian when when he brought Robbo in that end of that season. Do you like Robson? Yeah, he was great. It was hard for me because I'm a Liverpool fan, and like he was captain of Manchester United, and we got a real rivalry. And I'd grew up watching him play and watching him kick so many of my idols. <laughs> um, but when he got there, he was he was different class. Robbo, without Robbo, you wouldn't have seen Janino, Emerson, Ravinelli. He was, he was um, the pull. He was the figurehead. Yeah, he was the figurehead who, who would go. Everyone in the world knew him, and and they would all come for him. That and, and Gibbo's Gibbo's money and ambition. Mm. It was clear for everyone to see straight away when Robbo was in that first year. We had a model of the the Riverside Stadium at Old Ayrson Park. Said this is where we're going to move, and we'll move here in two years, and, and we did. That must have been exciting for you. Too. Well, it's trying to stay there for that long, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Until it's yeah, finished. Yeah. So that's you're thinking. Well, they're gonna come in and have a go and they're going to bring all these people in. Yeah. You're just trying to, trying you to stay there. painting steel in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go, we used to go and look at it. They'd take us down every now and again. We had to wear hard hats and stuff and have a look at it. And still you're thinking in the back of your mind, I hope I'm here for this. But it was, it seemed like it took no time before it was all up and ready. And what made it good was that first season Robbo was here, we got promoted from the championship into the Premier League. So then we were moving into the Riverside as a Premier League team. And it just kicked, started everything. Yeah. everything Is that went. when Janine, Janine? Nick Barmby was the yeah. first one. So he came from Tottenham. He was only a young lad. But because all these, like you said, they're young. They're in the prime. They're in the prime. But he was paying. I mean, then Robbo paid for Nick four. I think he paid 4.5 million, giving him a few quid a week. I wonder if that was the original new challenge. Middlesbrough's um, yeah, yeah. on about lads who signed for somewhere for money. I can't wait, excited for this new challenge. Mm. Yeah. Playing for well, Tel Aviv. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ad. We're in a pitch next to model at New Stadium. When Nick he came, he, he he lifted the club massively because he was such a good player. You, sometimes you don't realise how some good someone is until you play them and see I, how, I they, played with arms at all. how they train. And he was he was sensational. But he weren't a big character though. No. You know, no. like you know, if you if you're thinking of a a character to propel your football club, Barnes would be like, no, he'd just get on with it. But 
ability wise quality was ridiculous <laughs> football brain and, and now he moved and he made me a better player just by I was looking at him thinking well I'm I'm the same size as him I'm similar in, in stature I could I was probably quicker than him what what makes him so good it was his, just how intelligent he was mm. did he sign any bad eggs you know when he's signing all these lads was any that came in and you thought oh, you're not for me what a prick that yeah. is not really Ravenelli gets a bad press but he was great with me. I loved him, and I, I get on great with him. He, I think you have to understand that he is. Listen, he's arrogant. You know, he, he was he was arrogant. <laughs> we, we've got one in our team who's a bit fucking like that. If you if you've just played in the Champions League final, it was a European Cup final, and scored in it, and you were top scorer in that competition, and you've suddenly gone from Juventus and signed for Middlesbrough for seven and a half million quid, but forty two grand a week. It was the highest paid player in the Premier League. That was in 96. Then you, you're going to have a bit of a chip. You can be a bit yeah. of a peacock, can't you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're going to have, as long as you train right and, and you're all right with the lads, which he was, um, then I'll, I'll put up with, I think we have to put up with him if you want someone that good. Sometimes you've got to, he's, he, he's a bit eccentric now and again and he will say mad stuff. Well, so what? Yeah. Do you know, I'm not, How was I'm he not, scoring for us on a Saturday? I'm not bothered about that. Yeah. And his debut was like the best debut you'll ever see. Played Liverpool at home, opening day of the Premier League, and he scored three in a 3-3 draw. He was like unbelievable. The best finisher I'd seen, and I've played with, since then, I've played with some great finishers. And they're all, like he was up there, probably the best finisher ever. You know, when you say that, I can just imagine him getting home that Saturday night and going, the fucking defence is shit. He did. So he used to go into Robbo and say, you need to sort the defence out. It's shit. <laughs> so and he, he would be in all the time. We need better players. And you promised me better players and we've got shit players. And he would like be open like that and say, he's shit. So he call people out himself in training. No, his English was crap. Right. Like, he couldn't speak English, really. He had an interpreter with him 24-7. You shit! Yeah. <laughs> so, we had a, honestly, he had a mad argument once. We've come in after a game and he had an argument with Janino. So you've got Janino and Emerson, two Brazilians sat there. Both speak good English, decent English. You've got Gianluca Festa, who was a nutter. A great lad, but absolute lunatic. And Ravinelli and... Janino and Ravenelli were having a pop at each other. They didn't know what each other was saying. So they've got into there, and I'm sort of in between it, and he's leaning forward and he's shouting, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, what's, what's he saying? And Festa could speak Italian, obviously. And he, he'd said, <laughs> um, oh, Rav's saying, you greedy little bastard, you should have passed me the ball. And I said, what's Juni saying? Fucking Portuguese. Emerson said, oh, he's just telling her to fuck off. <laughs> and so he's like, fuck. And then Ravenelli would go. And I go, what? Listen, what's going on? And he, what's Ravenelli said now? And Festa said, Ravenelli said to Janino, don't ever come round mine for Sunday dinner ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and then Judy's had a pop back. I said, well, he said, oh, don't worry, I won't. It was shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, the arguments you were having to know. He's not coming in going, you fucking little wanker, I'll knock you out if you don't pass to me. He was like, don't you ever you come round to my for Sunday dinner anymore. Don't worry, it's fucking shit anyway. <laughs> it's like, what chance have you got? But he was, Ravinelli was like that. He, we, we were sponsored by Selnet Riverside Stadium. It was the Selnet Riverside Stadium. Selnet were on our shirts and we got these free phones from Selnet. 
So we didn't have to pay for any line rental, just calls we made. And all the lads had numbers that were consecutive numbers. So it was like, oh, double seven, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, it was like 001, 002, 003. So everyone knew everyone's number. Anyway, first month we're here, first month Rab's in England. Charles Porter is a, a fella from Selnet who had an office at the club, looked after all the lads' phones and any problems. He's come down with this bill. He's waving this bill of paper and he's gone past me. I'm just on my way out. Is Ravenelli in there? I said, yeah, right. And he's fuming. So I'm thinking, well, I'll go back in. There's going to be a bit of argy bargy. <laughs> so I walk back in. Rab's shaving his legs on this bench with a towel around him. And Charles says to him, Ravenelli. And he looked around. He said, you need to pay your phone bill. All the other lads have paid their phone bill and you haven't paid your phone bill and we need your money. So Rav looked at him and if he didn't like what you were saying, Rav would go, no, 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 no. And wave his finger. No, 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 no. Like so Rav's him. looked over and he's gone, no, 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 no. <laughs> and carried on shaving his legs. And Charles said, don't, no, 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 me. He said, you need to pay your phone bill. And I'm thinking, why is he getting so arsy about this phone bill? So I said to Charles, Charles, what's the phone bill? He went, I can't show you. And Rav went, yeah, show him. So he showed me this phone bill. His first month he was in England, his phone bill was 5,000 quid. 5,000 quid. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? No wonder he's angry with this phone bill. Like he hasn't. And I'm thinking, the dirty bastard. He must be phoning his sex lines <laughs> every time. He, he, was a, on his own. A tummy <laughs> he was on his own over here. And I'm thinking, that, anyway, what it was, he, he'd leave training. He was on his own. He'd phone his missus and he'd be on constantly to his missus day and night because he struggled to settle. He ran this big phone bill up. And I'm thinking, no wonder Charles a bit. So Charles went, you need to pay it. And Fritzio turned round and he went, he said, uh, how many goals have I scored this month? And Charles went, well, you've, you've scored five this month. You had that trick against Liverpool, scored two more. He said, you've scored five. He said, yes. What do I do when I score a goal? And if you remember, he lifts his shirt over his head and he runs off. He said, well, you lift your shirt up. He said, yes. What does it say on my vest? And he used to wear a vest. I'd sell net on it. And Charles said, well, it's a Selnet. He said, yes. How many goals again? Five. Right. I charge Selnet £2,000 for advertising. You owe me £5,000. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like the first time I've ever heard anyone go, I'm not giving you that. Fuck off. You owe me money. <laughs> and he was like, dead serious. But he'd do it all over. So like the milkman for £4.50 came to his house, went and needed the milk money. Raps answered the door. He said, uh, Mr. Ravenelli, I've come for the milk money. You have Monday, Tuesday, nothing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's £4.50. Rav went, no, 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 no. <laughs> he said, is there a problem? He said, yes. He said, it's an honour I drink from your dairy. <laughs> right? Deadly serious. Like £4.50, the fella's on 42 grand a week. But he was fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I loved him. He went, he'd go and, and have food with his family or his brother's. He'd have a big entourage and he'd order and it was like a big square table and all his food had come and he'd eat it and then at the end of it he'd click his fingers and get the young lad over for the bill and he'd give him the bill and he'd make the, the waiter stay there and stand there and he'd get this bill and he'd look at the bill. So he'd open this bill out and he'd look down it and then he'd look at the waiter and he'd look back at the bill and he'd look at the waiter and he'd look back at the bill and he'd go, no, 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 no. And the waiter would go, is, is there a problem? <laughs> and he would stand up and he'd point to all the bits of food that he hadn't eaten. Didn't like that. Don't like that. Didn't like that. I only pay for what I eat. And then bump off it goes back. He would never have pasta if it was any a different colour than the normal pasta colour. So if it was like green or anything like that. No. And he'd take his own <laughs> chef everywhere with him. And because he liked it al dente. And if it wasn't al dente, he would just 
push it to one side. So he'd bring his own chef. And if he liked you of a night on the away games, a Friday night, you get a knock at the door about half seven and it'd be his chef and he'd have these pies and he'd say, Fabrizio wants you to have a pie, Craig. <laughs> so I'd take the pie, I'd say, what's in it? He said, oh, it's a lovely strawberry pie. It was like pastry and that. He said, and there's a special ingredient. And he'd wink at you. And I'd say, what's the special? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you just eat the pie. <laughs> and you'd go and you'd take the pie and you'd eat it. Good. You'd be like, oh, that was lovely. Don't know what was in it. Could have been anything, but I think he like he used to take creatine and all that stuff. You know, when he was like he was he was absolutely like a machine. It was like a racehorse the way he looked after himself. So was he tight then? Was all this because of you? He was just tight with his he money. Just thought he no, he he just thought he shouldn't be paying for stuff like that. Because <laughs> <it was him. laughs> I don't think he should pay for a family meal. <laughs> yeah. It was like he just he was that. That's what he was. It was like he got to be fair to him. He got pestered everywhere he went. So he would be sat in a restaurant and people would come over while he's eating and everything and he'd be like, oh, can I have a picture? Or can I have a... And he'd, you know, typical, he'd be like, oh, I'm giving it the prayer hands and all that. And all that. after, after. And he would never, ever sign anything if anyone come over to him or have a picture. He'd just wait until he was doing nothing. I seen him, we, we, when I was at Dar uh, Blackburn, we played Derby away and I was in the hotel on a Friday. We got there on a Friday afternoon and Rav was at Derby at the time and he was staying in the hotel and I'd seen him walking down the garden with his brother so I've got the fruit bowl and I've opened the window and I'm throwing oranges and apples at him, right? <laughs> and I'm missing him. Like I'm just hitting the floor right by him and he's looking around and he's fuming. I could see him fuming because he was a hothead. He's fuming. And then as he's run away, I'm throwing a pear at him or something. Right? <laughs> and then I'd, I went down because he's gone straight into reception. And he's fuming. As I get there, he's at the desk at reception. And he's like, he fucking... It up, who's in this fucking room? It's it, and it comes, I show you. I sh and he's trying to drag this woman out. And I've walked down and I've said to him, Raph, is there a problem? And he looked and he went, you little fucking bastard. Kicking <laughs> <laughs> in like hell. But he was like, he was brilliant. I, I loved him. Absolutely loved him. So do you think like people of Middlesbrough <laughs> who worked in restaurants would think he's a fucking asshole? Probably. There'd be a load of people who think he's an asshole. He'd go to Italy and he'd say something and it'd get translated and then it'd come back here about Middlesbrough or... And you don't... Oh, he's I like, can. oh, I didn't say it. Oh, I didn't I say it. You know what I mean? I didn't... That wasn't me. But you think it fucking was like... <laughs> and fucking Palmo's a shit. Yeah, but and it, the thing with the... Uh, I mean, he was, he was an unbelievable goal scorer. He would score goals for fun. His movement was unbelievable. I felt sorry for Mickelbeck sometimes because... When Mickelbeck played up front with him, and Mickel was a good player, you know, Danish international, he wasn't no slouch. Ralph just used to hammer him. If he didn't pass it, you'd see him kicking a post in the goal, or he'd run over to the bench and take the rubble, get him off, get him off. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> if he said that about you, you'd, honestly, you'd wait outside and slash his tyres and stuff. He was like, unbelievably bad with him. How come Middlesbrough could pay the most money in the Premier League? To Kibble. Steve Gibson. So when he got that much money that yeah. he... he... He hasn't now, because it's billionaires now, isn't it? It's, mm. you know, it's... He, he, I don't think he could compete. He's a wealthy, wealthy man who had a, an unbelievable ambition and Middlesbrough's his club. He's the best chairman you'll ever meet in your life. Best chairman by none. So with all due respect to Middlesbrough, it must be, it must have been hard for him to go, Janino, Emerson, Rav, come and live here. New challenge, Why? John. Do you know where they've come from? Have you seen where Janino and Emerson live? Well, so, no, but, but know, to it, be fair, effectively they could have moved to London. Yeah, but how but, he got them? He, listen, he went over to Brazil and got them. 
he didn't send anyone over. He went and said, I want you. And Janino had just won best young player in the world. And he was in the Brazil team at the time. He just scored at Wembley, I think, in um, for Brazil against England. How we got him was unbelievable. And at the time, we still had Nick Barnby. So I'm thinking, well, that's me fucked, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if Janino comes and you've got Nick Barnby. these players coming yeah. in, are you thinking, that's, I'm done yeah. here? But it, it never happened. It, Nick ended up going to Everton. Mm. Nick left. Um, and even then, I thought three of us could play together here because Nick had played centre forward before on his own. Um, but he never played the three of us, Robbo. Janino was a bit different. He was a free spirit and he would go wherever you wanted. Was he a nightmare for another player's point of view? You know, so I was like, fuck. I think until he got used to him. Yeah. I mean, the first couple of months, he, he had a struggle. You know, he was brilliant against Leeds in his first game. And then it, it, it came winter and he had a little. It took him a while to get going, but when he did, oh my God, you you look at him and you think he, he was five foot six, like like a lat, thin. And you think, this kid can't cope in here, surely. He was unbelievable, unbelievable. Like brave little fucker who'd take the ball wherever. It didn't matter who was up his ass. He'd had arguments with Julian Dix. I think there's a picture of him with Philip Albert <laughs> like that, who've come right through the back of him. He just couldn't get him because he'd always ride it. You know, you might take him down, but he you wouldn't get him with his legs on the floor. Who was, was the uh, the Billy Whitehurst that would look after? Did anybody Nigel. have like... Was that? Nigel Pierce. Yeah, he was a bully. So Nigel would, <laughs> couldn't handle it himself. So we'd have... But he was he was good for morale, Nigel, in a, in a weird way, because he was he was like... He was a bully, but he was a funny bully, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> People listening to this would be like, well, he's a bully. He must be a twat. No, he was a funny bully. So like he'd... First year we were at Selnet, we were training at Ayrson Park because it was still there. So we would go and train there. And Nige was brilliant at drawing and he drew caricatures of the full squad. Cutting, by the way. <laughs> like, really, like, you're you looking at you You're not bad. On holiday, were you like, yeah. 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 It and by the way, it wasn't always of your face. So, <laughs> like, it wasn't caricatures of your face sometimes. It was other bits of your body sometimes. <laughs> Probably real, you know. You could tell who it was. If you, went, if you, went, you would know. And you'd say, oh, is that? And he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> so it was like weird. I mean, he would do mad stuff. Like we'd, most of them were caricatures, but there was, <laughs> there was other bits. <laughs> I used to think if anyone comes here for a tour before they knock it down, they'd be like, oh my God. They've shot a porno here. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. <laughs> what happened with um, Ravenelli before the cup final? Was it with Cox? Yeah, that was... Um, <laughs> I think Cox, he says he, he had to sign a form so he couldn't talk about it. But it, Ravenelli had been... We had the cup final. We got relegated the week before at Leeds. We'd, we'd had... I mean, that was an unbelievable season because we got to both... We played every game that you could play in the season. We weren't in Europe, obviously, but we every game. We got to the final of the League Cup, final of the FA Cup, played all the league games. And we'd had, I think we had five games 
in 13 days because we'd had one cancelled at Blackburn, which ended up getting us relegated because he took three points of us, which would have yeah. kept us safe. So we got relegated at Leeds. The week before at Man U, Ravid pulled a hamstring, torn a hamstring, came off in the game. And we drew 3-3 in a piss and wet rain. And he wasn't really fit for the cup final. But he'd said stuff in the press again and it was in the paper. We knew he wasn't fit. You can't be fit in two weeks after tearing a hamstring like he did. But he started the cup final. But in the morning of the cup final, Coxie had took exception to what he'd said in the paper. I can't remember what he'd said. And you know the cup final when you're... You get free, we had free Ray-Bans. You know, Ray-Ban had sponsored us and we had all our suits on. And we're, we're I think, were we burning beaches or something like that? We were having a photo with our suits on and sunglasses. And I'm I'm at the front here and I'm, right, what, can we put the sunglasses on now and we'll have a, so we had one of the suits, now the sunglasses. And as I've done that, Ravenelli's come over my shoulder. He's on the floor. And then the sort of the back row has come over the front of me. And then Coxie's rolling about and there's next minute there's people rolling about everywhere. There's people trying to kick him when he's down so they didn't see. It was like, then it's all been split up. People watching and, and I got split up and he's went off. I think he smashed his room up. So we're going now and, and you know the cameras are cut final day. It's like we're getting on the bus at the hotel and the cameras are there. It's live, I'll tell you. The cameras are there and seeing everything live and as we're coming on, if you look at the lads, some of the lads have got grass stains all over the suits. That would have been... <laughs> Rolling about, trying to pull people and people are hitting them and like, so we're getting on the bus and Ravinelli gets, I'm sat on the bus. So I get sort of half near the front. Junie gets on the bus and he sits just behind me. Ravinelli gets on the bus and Coxie's at the back. They're trying to keep them. But he gets on the bus. I will fuck you and your family after I fuck kill you. I fucking kill you. And Coxie's having a shout back. This is all like when it's getting on the bus on. I think, fuck me, we've got a cup final. <laughs> anyway, the door shuts and we pull off. And as we pull off and get onto the road, Giannino gets up behind me and he walks down the front of the bus and he puts this tape in and he picks the mic up and he starts singing this samba music, like, Bumbaleo, like, up and down like that. The lads are fuming, everyone's arguing. And he's like, like, And I'm like, what's going on? And, it's like, and he, he'd finished this song, right? And he's coming, he's laughing. He was always happy. He was, I loved him to bits. And he, I said, what was that all about? He said, I was just trying to make people happy. Everyone's <laughs> sad. I'm trying to make people happy. That was it. He was like fucking nuts. We get the cup final and we won nil down after 30 seconds or something <laughs> with Di Matteo's goal. It was like weird. Marsh what were the actual arguments about then? A, a, a newspaper article that Ravinelli had said something about. In Italy. It was in our paper. Right. But they'd said they'd pulled it from Italian paper, talking about if Middlesbrough get, um, don't win the cup final, he's off, or he's, some of the players weren't good enough. And, Which is and, bollocks, isn't and, it, from and, his point of view? It yeah. doesn't matter if you won the Champions League or not, that's bullshit. Yeah, Coxie and, and Coxie thought the perfect time to sort this out is. Yeah, but he had a, but Who are you he was a hot end. You know I mean? Coxie couldn't fight a paper bag, but he, it was just weird, like what happened. But saying that, Rav didn't leave. So we. We went away, we'd been relegated and we came back and we went to Italy on pre-season. Um, but Rav wasn't training with us in pre-season and he, he wasn't with us. He was trying to sort of move out to Everton. That's where he eventually went to Derby, I think. And um, as we're getting, we, so we go and have pre-season, we come back to Milan airport and when we get to the check-in, Rav's at our check-in and he must have thought, fuck's sake, 
So he wasn't coming back with us. He was going to speak to Evan, but he was still our player. So he's like blanked all the lads, everyone. He blanked everyone. <laughs> and we've got on this bus to go to the plane. Right. And as we've got on the bus, he's, um, again, I'm, I'm sat at the front. All the lads are stood up like behind and that. I've got these seats at the front. And he stopped and he went to me, hey, Higgy, how are you? You okay? I said, yeah, Rav, I'm good, I'm good. And I can hear all the lads going, fuck off, fuck <laughs> off, you snake. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I'm all right, Rav, you, you okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, listen, good luck. Oh, you know, I hope everything works out for you. All right, thank you, Higgy. <laughs> Fucked off. All the lads tortured me forever. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why the fuck would you stop and talk to me? Just, he's blanked everyone, but he stopped and talked to me. And I'm thinking, fuck, what do you want me to do? Just say, fuck off. <laughs> I, I'm not going to, because I liked him. It was just one of them things, but he, he caused, he caused all kinds of murder. He was, he had a Range Rover and it went missing. So when he left, it went missing. Three months later, police have found it at Teesside Airport. So we've come to the club, said, you, this Range Rover, it's at Teesside Airport. I said, yeah, we'd, we'd gone missing. But when they went and got it, it had been keyed all around. So they'd left it there and then keyed it all when he was, he was going off. Was it his or was it, it was the, the club's? Clubs? It was the club car. Yeah. That the, the club had got for him when he was over there. He had, he had a house, a clubhouse. When he left the house, no word of a lie, everything that could be removed from the house was removed. Right? He didn't keep it. He couldn't, couldn't take it home with him. No one knows where it's gone, <laughs> right? But not, you're, you're thinking like a couch and a TV, that radiator, bulbs, life fittings, <laughs> cutlery, dishes, rugs, carpets, everything that could, you could remove physically from a house went. He just skipped them. No one knows where it was. <laughs> no one knows what he'd done with it or nothing. But uh, have you got any bitterness towards Middlesbrough then? No, loves the club. Keeps saying he wants to come back and manage it. <laughs> like, Fuck off, <laughs> But he's been back and talked since at the club. Like, so there's obviously, you know, they're fine with him. Um, and he should be because he lifted the profile. He was a nightmare for them. But he was massive for the football club lifting the profile of it and making other people come. Because if you've seen who come, people like Bolo's ending, um, Christine Carambu, Mendieta, Mendieta, all these have come to the club because of Junie and Rav, because they've seen that they're there and what they, I mean, Christian Ziga, people like the people they've had at the club is frightening. Yeah. Is that, if you look at the names, Michael Reisiger, all yeah. these people who've been at the club, they're like World Cup winners and Branco, Marco Branca. I mean, Branco came and he was 45. <laughs> He, he came and we said, how old are you? He said, I'm 33. <laughs> but we'd seen him on a video of the World Cup where he was 33 in that video. <laughs> and it was 12 years before. Yeah. In the last <laughs> so he was 45. <laughs> and just come for a laugh. Just come for a laugh. He, he couldn't run. He could tonk a ball, by the way. I've never seen anyone tonk a ball like him. But he used to line the valve up with the ball and smash the valve. And this ball would go all over and do all kinds of weird things. But you had to really smash the ball, and he he just come. I don't think I think he played one game against Everton. He had a free kick from halfway inside our half that flashed past the near post, <laughs> <laughs> but nothing else. I ended up leaving with about half a million quid after about six months. Just used to come and smoke, but he was frightening. But like Marco Branca, who came, he was unbelievable. I think he might be, or he was sporting director into Milan. But what a player he was. 
And in the end, he, he finished through injury, but he, you know, there was a dispute there whether he was injured or not. But he was, what a player he was. It is actually fucking quite mind-blowing, isn't it? The players that Middleton uh, have had. Yeah. Up. It, it's frightening. If you look at them all, like you could make a, an unbelievable team, a world-class team. I mean, Mark Schwarzer was, was a frightening goalkeeper. He was he was brilliant. Stephen Pears, he was he was unbelievable. But they've had, you go right through the, the team. You know, some of the players they've had, you couldn't pick it. Gaza, Andy yeah. Townsend, Paul Merson. How do you pick a front three of Giannino Ravinelli, Andy Townsend, Paul uh, Paul Merson? You, you couldn't. A midfield, Paul Ince, Gascoigne, Mendieta, Bolo Zenden, <laughs> Kirsten Carambu, <laughs> Nick Barnby. Giannino, where's he go? It's, it's unbelievable. You mentioned uh, Townsend there. Is that right? Robson made him live with Gascoigne to, to <laughs> settle him down. Yeah. So Andy, Andy was a really sensible lad. Great lad, Andy. And... <clears throat> obviously Gaza was there at the time living with Jimmy Five Bellies in Seam which is up near your neck of the woods up past Sunderland so he sent Andy to live with him and every morning the three of them used to come in in, in either Gaza's or Andy's car or whatever anyway every morning when they come in they'd have three mugs of coffee same mug cup of coffee drink the coffee get changed go in the canteen get another coffee drink it and then go and train so this morning they've come in, they've got the mugs of coffee, they've gone and had another one. <clears throat> and Andy got called into Robbo's office and Robbo said to Andy, look, Andy, he said, we're not, we're not playing for a week. We don't have a game till Saturday. He said, get yourself home to Birmingham, train today, have Tuesday, come back Wednesday night, ready for a game Thursday, uh, Friday, uh, Saturday. So Andy, it's a brilliant, thanks, Gaffer, trains Monday, goes home. On the night, about half 10 at night, Gaza says to Jimmy, I'm going to bed. So he gets up and he goes in the kitchen and he looks at the coffee mug tree and there's only five coffee mugs on there. There should be six. So he comes back out and he says to Jimmy, Jimmy, why is there only five coffee mugs on the coffee tree? He said, there should be six coffee mugs. He said, I can't go to bed knowing that one of them's lost a mate. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's alone OCD. somewhere. He's alone somewhere. Yeah, he's, he's OCD. He said, uh, we'll have to find it. So they turn the place upside down, can't find it. And Jimmy goes, oh, I know what it is. Andy's got it in his bag. Robbo's give him, he's gone home, hasn't he? He's took it in his bag. And Gaza went, okay, um, go and get it then. And Jimmy said, well, he lives in Birmingham. He said, we're in to see him. It's three hours to Birmingham. He said, yeah, I can't go to bed knowing that there's a coffee mug out there without its mates. <laughs> go and get it. Without its so mates. So Jimmy drives three hours to Andy Townsend's house. So it's middle of the night. Andy's lying in bed, doorbell goes. Andy's got electric gates, so his missus has woke him up and he's like, well, someone at the door, Andy. Andy's like, it's half two. Why would... Andy, there's someone at the door. So he gets up, boxer shorts, baseball bat, looks through, pissing down with rain, and Jimmy stood there soaking wet through. So Andy opens the door. He says, what the fuck do you want? Jimmy said, well, Gaza wants his coffee cup back. It's half two in the morning. He said, what? He said, Gaza wants his coffee cup back. He's not going to bed till he gets the coffee cup. He said, you're taking a piss? He went, no. So he goes in, he gets this coffee mug, gives it to Jimmy. Jimmy goes back out, drives another three hours, gets back about half four or five. Gaza still sat up watching the telly. Have you got it? Yeah, put it back. So he goes and puts it back. He goes and checks it and then comes and then goes to bed. Couldn't go to bed unless it was there. Was he that? Right, was it? Like, unhinged, I think. Well, it's, 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 it's just the OCD. It's, yeah. it's, 
it's just whatever it was it was that week. It's like if he's being fit, he will do it seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He would go to the gym, literally the same with, with drinking, the same with anything. If he gets it, that's just the way he was. He, but all he wants to do is play football and make you laugh. Yeah. That was it. He was he was unbelievably good. Talk about a proper teammate. Like he was he was so good. You will he never was room, he was roommate as well. I roomed with him for a bit, yeah, when he first came. Well, but that must have been like mesmeric. Like I'm rooming with fucking Paul Gascoigne. Well, I'll tell you how it happened, because we had a, a cup final and I wouldn't sign a new deal and, and Robbo had got me in when we got there and said, Look, you won't we won't be involved unless you sign this deal. And I wouldn't sign it. So I came out the room and then Gaza came to my room and said, look, I've, Robbo's just told me I'm going to go and tell him I don't want to play. And I said, no, don't be daft. Because it's not to do just met you. You've just yeah, met you. Yeah, so he's just, that's his first week at the club. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, the cup final's three days. He said, come and room with me. I was rooming with Neil Madison and Maddo was involved. So I'm thinking, who wouldn't Sorry, want to Sorry, Maddo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Who wouldn't want to room with him? You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, so you... I just went and, and, and roomed him and had an unbelievable three days. Like, unbelievable. So he wasn't going to play because you weren't? He didn't, because it, it was his first game. It was his debut. And he didn't feel like he deserved the... Um, to take your to, to take, Yeah, to take the place of someone because he hadn't been involved in anything. He'd just come from, from Rangers. But in the end, he, he, he gave me his medal. I didn't want it. and But he, he'd signed it to me and... And give it me after the the game. It's an unbelievable gesture from start to finish. That really, isn't it? yeah. It, honestly, he's 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 so like he cares about everyone. Do you know what I mean? He's because did you have any would, resentment he, initially? No, the, that's just football. Before you'd yeah, talk I don't to think him. you can have not, resentment. No, because it was football. It's not. But you'd still be like a little bit like. Oh, it wasn't shit. because of him. It was because yeah. of of me and the club. Really, the club. You know, I tried to negotiate a new deal, but it wasn't happening. And. I think I, I didn't want to be forced into signing it, whether it was a cup final or not. Yeah. So I didn't. Feel like you were being held to ransom be- a little with bit, that cup yeah. final. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Jimmy was good for him? Do you think Jimmy was good for him? Yeah, I do. It, it, Jimmy, if if something was, you know, you could see Paul getting a bit tetchy or a little bit hyper or a little bit bored. <laughs> that was dangerous. Like, <laughs> so he, Jimmy would. We would do stuff with with Paul. Well, I took him ball in mad stuff. Or? Not mad stuff. Like there's a story <laughs> that Jimmy said when Paul signed for Lazio, he, he phoned Jimmy and said, "Jimmy, I want you to come and live with me." And Jimmy was like, "Brilliant!" So he sent him over the plane tickets to come and 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 go and live with him. And Jimmy flew from Newcastle to Heathrow, and Heathrow, Singapore, Singapore, Orlando, Orlando to Munich, Munich to to Schiphol, and Schiphol to Rome. And it took him three days to get from Newcastle <laughs> to Rome. Obviously, Paul's met him at the airport in Rome and everyone follows Paul everywhere in Rome. When he got there, like, Jimmy, first words he said was, fucking out a long way, that guy's. <laughs> <laughs> He'd made sure all the, all the flights were within six hours of each other so Jimmy can't change his gear, can't go out the airport. <laughs> so he's literally had the same gear on for three days and turned up at the airport. That's it. But Jimmy, obviously, went a fucking long way. <laughs> but they were the, they were all the, the things that. I can just imagine him giggling as he fucking these flights. Oh, no, he was brilliant. He, he was. You had. You didn't know what was going to happen from one day to the next with him. He was brilliant. Was that always a good thing, though? <coughs> Listen, sometimes it wasn't, and 
but it depends on on what what he was doing, doesn't he? So if it was a drink, then no. But he was honestly, you, you can't. I can't talk. He was so generous. He'd give you his last. I think Robbie must have had a testimonial. I think Gaza gave him a a Gaza pinball machine to to auction. There's, there's stories about Alan uh, McLaren had a a testimonial at Rangers, and Gaza gave him his Range Rover. It's like he's he's so he's just a proper teammate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't help but love him. Even if he does stuff to you, you can't help but love him. You'd <laughs> well, laugh. Well, you said then three days as his roommate were unbelievable. Like what? Just what Barry. made him? Just everything. We we had a game of snooker that was weird. Um, played for hours and then to finish the game, we put two snooker cues up at the end of the wall and bowl the white ball at the snooker cues. But to to go out the room we had to snap these two snooker cues with the white ball while we were bowling so we've started bowling at like 10 o'clock have you ever tried to snap a snooker cue bowling with a billiard ball <laughs> it's like unless you hit it perfect it ain't going anywhere it'll hit it and it'll fall or it'll and there's holes all around this room when I first walked in like hundreds of them if not thousands and I've it was a bit weird but I'd said to him earlier look at all these holes and he went yeah I'll show you after and this was the game that he played in this room when he was at England He'd play this game, but every now and again he'd move the snooker cues around so he didn't make Mixed one pass all. So when you snap a cue, like you can move on to the next one. So we snapped the two of them, and he just threw them under the bench, and then out of the room. So you have to finish the snooker game by yeah, snapping the fi- cue with the ball. If you didn't finish it, something bad had happened. So you had to stay in there so you had, until and you'd you had done to it. carry on until the cue was snapped. Two and a half hours. <laughs> I did. <laughs> the sweat was coming off me listen we've got a cup final we're training the next day and it, it's like you're looking at half one at night and we're walking around the halls of the corridor and I'm thinking if Robbo sees us here like we're dead but we couldn't leave until it was done we're bowling right arm over yeah Has he got- no spinners <laughs> <laughs> Has he full got- tosses mostly <laughs> Has he got no like comprehension of we're damaging the wall here like we're in a no. hotel and we're damaging I said to them what what, what happened there like he said, oh, no, they'll just come and take the cues. They always do. So he's done it. It wasn't the first time he'd done it. Do you know what I mean? Because all these holes were in the wall. <laughs> but it's like, he's a grown man. It's like you're thinking, we're making holes at wall here. There's got to be a point where you think, we're going to get in shit. But he's probably thinking, I'll just, pay for, I'll just pay for yeah, the damages. Sorry, just... If it comes to it, I'll just pay for it. But I'm having a bit of fun. <laughs> We went shopping in in the village. You think as we've gone shopping in the village, there's these kids playing football, and we've gone and we played a game of pool, and then we've come out into the car park, and these kids are playing this football, and it, obviously Gaza. So they've seen him, and it's like, oh, Paul Gascoigne, and he's gone over. Oh, get a kick of the ball, lads. Yeah, kick of the ball, and he's kicking the ball, and he gets this ball, and he launches it about fifty gardens over, right? Just look, and the lads are looking at the ball as it, <laughs> and they're looking at him, and he's like, what's he just done? Anyway, he's pulled out a 20 or a 50, I think it was, and went to the lads, go and buy another one, some sweets. Give it to them. Like, if he ever yeah, thought he'd, he'd upset you or, you know, embarrassed you or something, he'd be devastated. He just wants to make you laugh and other people laugh. I can imagine he'd be a fucking nightmare to manage. Oh, he, he, he would have been. He would have been. Terry Venables told a story, I think. It was, it was, he said he was looking at him one day and it was before a game. And he knew he wasn't right and he didn't want to say nothing to him. But in the end, he had to. And he said, are you all right today, Gaz? And he went, no. He said, what's up? He said, I can't play today, Gaffer. 
He said, why? He said, I think I've left the cooker on. And he said, what? He said, I think I've left the cooker on. My house is going to burn down. He said, well, it's all right. So he calls the kit man in and he, he said, like, you know, we'll get him to go around, check your house and you'll be fine. So he said, right, okay. He said, tell him to bring the red tea towel that's in the drawer next to the cooker back with him. <laughs> if you think about it, all Terry was going to do was say, go for half an hour, 45 minutes or whatever. Come back, tell him everything's all right. But now, because he said that, he's physically got to go to his house <laughs> and, and get this tea, tea towel. So now in his head, he knows he's been to the house and he's got a tea towel. <laughs> so he had to, I think he got a, a bike and boom, shot off, picked this tea towel up, check the cooker, come back. I can imagine oh. it, in a, uh, going into training on a morning, you just never knew what was going to happen. He could, he, no, you'd turn up with it. It could be anything. Could be anything. He was going out to London one day after training and he always used to keep some brill cream in his Range Rover, you know, the centre console. And he'd finished training and Jimmy's got in the car and he said to Jimmy, you can't come with me like that. He said, why? He said, your hair's a mess. He said, put some brill cream on. So Jimmy gets the brill cream on, puts it on and he'd, off they go. And then about 15 minutes up the road, Jimmy's like, ah, Gaz, my head's burning. My head's, and as he's done that, he's got a clump of hair in his hand. So Gaz is killing himself laughing. And what he'd done was he'd emptied out the brill cream and he put Veet in there. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd, he'd put beat all over his head so he had to then stop in North Allerton and he had to go and have his hair shaved but he had, had to get some steroid cream as well because it had burnt his head it's like next level isn't it yeah. <laughs> it's different honestly it's, there's so many there's everyone who there's so many different stories around I'd love someone to get everyone together who's played them and got a story and and make this, it wouldn't be a book, it'd be like an encyclopedia. Because <laughs> like that's how many there is. I mean, Ali McCoyst has got some unbelievable stories about him. What were even Merson like together? Brick great, best yeah. mates. Yeah, loved each other. They were sort of half lived together. Well, they did live together in a house, which was fun. So you had Jimmy and um, Merce, Gaza, and Merce's brother, who, who all used to live together in a house. That sounds like that's chaos, isn't it? Mm. Well, he, I think they used to. Uh, they had a <laughs> they had a game where they would have a, a scotch and a sleeping pill, all put money in, scotch and a sleeping pill, and whoever was awake at the last would take the money <laughs> and win the game. So they would drink, take a pill. No one fell asleep. They'd go again until there was only one person left awake to grab the money and put it in the pocket. So it was a Brian Robson managing when yeah. them two were together. Yeah, I think Mace ended up leaving because of the. He, he said there was a gambling culture. It didn't go down well, but you know he, he probably was the gambling culture as well. <laughs> so what what happened then when it come to leaving Borough? I um, I'd, the cup final thing. I'd, I'd had enough by then. So once I'd, I didn't play that, I was pretty sure I wasn't gonna. Yeah, but I'd scored. And my last ever game for Borough was a game against Oxford at the Riverside we needed to match Sunderland's score to go up and I scored two in the game we won 4-1 I think in the end got promoted and that was my last ever game we went to New York after that with the club and they were talking to me in New York saying look if anything happens I know you haven't signed and but we want you to stay and we'll talk to you when you get back but if anything happens in the meantime will you let us know I said yeah and I'd had a call off Aberdeen so I phoned Robbo up and I should never have done this because it was a Sunday and that was his, his day. So. <laughs> so I phoned him up and I said, oh, Robbo, how you got for the Tiggy? And he said, who? <laughs> I said, Tiggy. How you, Tiggy? 
I said, I'm, I just wanted to phone you. I know you said we were away. If anything happened, you know, phone you up. I said, well, I'm, Aberdeen have been on. I'm, I'm going to go up and have a chat to them tomorrow. And he went, right, all right, all the best then, Iggy. Hope it works out for you. <laughs> and I thought, well, so I thought, all right, okay. So I went off, signed. And then about two weeks into the season, we had a bit of a break. So I came back here and I'd phoned the club to see if I could train here. So Robert went, yeah, you can train, of course you can. And when I walked in, I got some training kit and he said to me, I thought you were going to ring me when you were going to move if something happened. I said, I did. He went, no, you didn't. I said, I did. He said, when? I said, it was Sunday, whatever. <sighs> you know you don't phone me on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you just forgot. I thought, oh, brilliant. Cheers. Well, it was his drinking day, I think. He was just <laughs> assigned for Aberdeen and then sort of half changed my mind because I thought it was too far. I'd just been divorced with the kids. And Paul Jewell had phoned at Bradford and said, look, will you come here? But I'd, it was too late then. I'd already signed... Aberdeen. How old were you? <clears throat> I was 20, 28. Still in your peak then, aren't you? Yeah. Really? By the way, it sounds ruthless, Robbo, by the way. So, sign this or you're not playing it cup final. Uh, oh, just let me know how you get on. It was... It's, it, not, like, it's not a manager you think. Well, yeah. Like... Well, by the sounds of it, you rang on Monday, you'd have been, you'd probably you'd have been all right, yeah. <laughs> you'd have probably been all right. No, but deal. that's just the way it was then, do you know what I mean? It was like, we had a really good team spirit. Robbo was great. You know, I people used to think I had a, a problem with Robbo. I didn't. I didn't have any problem with him. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. Was there nobody else in the top of the championship or something that another came in for you? Yeah. I, I mean, no, Aberdeen. I didn't want it. Wolves would, was another one that I, I wouldn't go. I didn't want to go. Why? I don't know. I just, I didn't. I, 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 at the time, you know, when you're young and you think, I, I just want to get away from everything. Like, I just wanted a fresh start and get away and, and go and do whatever. And I always thought I'd do all right and I'd end up somewhere else anyway within a season. And I did, but I ended up at Barnsley. Um, but it was just one of them weird things. Bradford were in the Premier League then as well. I think it was just a moment in your life that you wanted to get away. Yeah. Yeah, I'd made a decision because it, it just felt all, I just felt like everything was getting on top. Do you know what I mean? You, you have a, I don't think I was in the best place either. I got depressed when I was at Aberdeen. Um, but that was because of the, the kids and stuff. Yeah. When I wasn't seeing them all the time. And Aberdeen had promised me that I could have Mondays off. So they said, if you have, if you play Saturday and we haven't got a game till the following Saturday, you can have Mondays off. So go home after the game Saturday. You can fly home or fly to Manchester, wherever you need to go. We'll pay for, I think they paid for two flights a season or something, three. Um, but I, I wasn't bothered about that. But unless they took me off at half time, I couldn't make the last plane to Manchester. But then it didn't happen. I didn't get the Mondays off. And then you're thinking to yourself, hang on a minute, this isn't what I was sold here. Um, so it, things just spiralled then. And I, I got I got really, I was in a bad way a little bit. And then I got a phone call off. John Hendry, just saying, you're all right. You want to come and sign for Barnsley? But Martin Bullock, Madrop remember Bullock? So Martin Bullock come yeah. up. So there was a swap deal. It was something like 500 grand and Bully for me. And me and Bully had the same agent. So I'm sat outside with Bully while John Hendry, who was the gaffer then, he was in with the chairman of Aberdeen and the manager talking about the deal. And I'm sat with Bully. And Bully said to me, what's it like up here? 
And I went, listen, I'm not going to lie to you, bully, it's shit. <laughs> I said, we, the trainer pitches are shambles. I said, the dog shit all over. I said, I've, I, I've, I'm in a bad way, but I, I haven't liked it at all. You haven't helped me out. So he said, right, okay. Anyway, they call us in the room and we go and sit in the room and I'm opposite the chairman and the manager. Andy's here, little bullies there and me. So Alec Miller says, everything all right, are we all sorted? And I've gone, yeah. John's went, yeah. And Martin went, no. He said, I've changed my mind. I don't want to come. So I'm thinking, you. <laughs> you so little twat. And he, he said, well, why? Alec Miller said, why? And he says, Iggy said it's shit. <laughs> It's like, he's probably dropped me in it. Do you know what I mean? I'm, and I, what can you do? I've just sat there and went, well, it is, isn't it? Otherwise I wouldn't want to go. So, so Andy had to pay the full lot. He had to pay a million quid cash, which he said, I didn't have at the time, but you owe me another like 500 grand or something. <laughs> so, but that's how it happened. Where did Bully go then in there? Come back. He came and he was still at Barnsley. I think. I've done well there, by the way. You went on yeah, a free? went on a free and he got a million quid within three months. Oh, me. If, if that. In fact, that it was... Deal, yeah, it? it was about three months. I'd offered to pay me wages back to pack in. So it I got that, that bad? bad. Yeah, the, the, not anything to do with the club or anything around, just, just per- me. Where you were just personally. my personal circumstances and where I was at the time mm-hmm. in life. And I'd said to them, I'll give everything you give to me. I'll Because there was a big thing made about me being the, the um, highest paid player in Aberdeen's history and all that stuff. And I'd, I'd said, I'll give everything back. I don't want nothing. I just wanted, I need to go be near the kids. and But they wouldn't have it. They wouldn't accept it. It just got worse for me. And that was it then. Then Andy come and my first game was Huddersfield and we beat them 7-1. I'm thinking I've signed for Brazilia. <laughs> and <laughs> like Darren Barnard scored one of the most unbelievable goals you'll ever see. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what a team this is. And did that Sorry. pick you up? Personally? It, it did, yeah. And over the, the coming weeks, because I was then seeing the kids regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was a massive because Barnsley was only an hour from where I was going to. Warrington. Clive's clearing. Yeah. It's just a big, massive weight lifted off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then Barnsley, I just had the best time ever. It was... We keep hearing brilliant. about this, Barnsley. I loved it. Well, Metropolis. As I spoke about earlier, I can remember... Time, time shares in Barnsley have gone up tenfold <laughs> since we started. I can remember that debut and Sammy said, Barnsley's goal, if you've not seen it, it's up there with the best goals you'll ever see. Yeah. It was frightening. So Nicky Eden, at right back, gets up the wing and he puts this ball right across to the opposite left back who's come running in from the wing on the volley, side volley, has hit this ball with the outside of his foot. It's like top corner, far top corner. It's like frightening. So Nicky's 70-yard diag, Daz has just gone bosh. And Nicky still claims that as an assist. Yeah. I'm fucking telling you. Yeah. I swear to God. He still claims it as an assist. It was a 70 yard diag. It was unbelievable, the goal. But what a place, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so strange. What are you laughing at? It's yeah. just your face. Magnificent. Huh? What a place. It is. Mm. Did you get on the ice street much? Now and again. We had some mad nights out there. It was it was such an unbelievable night out. The lads used to say to me. You won't, you won't believe the night out in Barnsley and I'm like laughing, you know, I'm, I'm from Liverpool. It's yeah. honestly Barnsley's unbelievable. Yeah, okay. Right, first night I went out, I was like, oh my God, ridiculous. <laughs> so it, it was dangerous. It was <laughs> it was ridiculous. I Because I, I didn't live there. I lived, I, I was in Thirsk at the time. So it was a bit of a trek. So I, I didn't make it as much as the other lads, but some of the nights out we had, like we beat Birmingham in a playoff 
semi-final and it was like the night out was ridiculous I don't think you really, I don't think you really have to grasping it or was that your best season goals wise since you left crew uh, playoff yeah yeah I think so 22 yeah but Ali was brilliant Dave Bassett was brilliant with me because he I, I could run but he used to say to me I don't want you coming back and when we get the ball we'll just give it to you and then off you go and that's all I'd do I wouldn't come back I'd just stay there and float around wherever You'd get the ball and next minute you'd be off. It'd be like the best ever. I don't have to go back. Stay away. You stay up there and do your yeah. business. Didn't want me to come back. and I didn't score in that season for the first six games. And then we'd be Portsmouth six at home. And I'd got a couple and then that was it. And I just went on a mad run. And now you're thinking, I'm going to get a move. No, he thought he was fucking I, happy. He's happy at Barnes, you did. Yeah, I, th- I think... I was happy and then we got to the playoff final I'm thinking if we go up and David already said to me listen if we go up I want you to stay but if not we might have to sell you and I said well you know we'll cross that bridge when we come to it I wanted to go to Everton if I'm honest Everton we're we're in even though you're a Liverpool fan yeah my dad was an Everton fan my my dad died four years ago but if I'd have played for Everton like it would have been his dream good for him yeah and I'd have loved it as well because you're playing for a the Scouts teams, you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, there's countless Evertonians who play for Liverpool. <clears throat> but they couldn't just get the money together. It was just a bit a bit too much. They kept asking me to wait and wait. And I started getting a bit tetchy. I ended up going to Blackburn because Graeme Sooners was on the phone and he was one of my heroes when growing up. I'd spoke to him and got on really well with him. Even though, Blackburn, move, even though Blackburn were in the championship at the time, he had a really good squad. Like the squad was, they, they should have walked the league. Damien Duff and David Dunn, all people like that. So I ended up signing Blackburn, but we ended up getting promoted that season. Did you get the same kind of role at Blackburn as no, you had? There was. See, should have stayed. I got. I <laughs> was in, I played in behind a little bit, and then I played on the right. People call me a centre forward. I've, I'd never played centre forward. Yeah. Never been a centre forward. Was that frustrating then, from what you'd done at Barnsley, scoring so many goals, to then being pulled back? A little bit. You know, you had a, but. If you didn't, you weren't going to play. So I was yeah. on the right at the time. There was Keith Gillespie and Jason McAteer, who were I was ahead of them. Do you know what I mean? And so you had to you had to try and keep form because you didn't. As soon as you didn't, one of the others would be in. Damien Duff, one of the best players I've ever played with, without a shadow of a doubt. Left wing, left footed. David Dunn was an unbelievable talent. Two guy, frightening. Andy Cole, Dwight York. So it was. All you fucking players. played with some yeah. Honestly, it's been fucking played with some. It's been frightening with some of them. If you put a team together, I couldn't. You know, a team I couldn't put together. It'd be someone asked me to do an eleven, that boot room thing, once, and I couldn't. I couldn't fit everyone in. I couldn't find where they were all going. <laughs> I remember um, Dave Favis saying, "Was he thick as two planks, Damien Duff?" Yeah. No, he was a nice, lovely lad. Do you know what I mean? But wasn't the brightest when he was a young kid. Lovely, lovely fella. Um, I remember sitting next to him one day. He'd just been to World Cup and he was outstanding. He, he was going to go somewhere massive. There was people, I think Chelsea ended up getting him 18 million quid or something. But I'm, I'm sat there with him and I said to him, Duffery, are you all right? Said, You're flying, aren't you? You've had a brilliant World Cup. He went, yeah. I said, I made up for you, pal. And he'd had this new Range Rover. And it was one of the big Vogue ones with Duff 11 number plate. So I've, I said to him, how do you like the car? He said, oh, it's brilliant. He said, I love it. And dead eye in the road, love it. <laughs> dead I eye. said, what about the uh, the number plate? It must have cost you a fortune. And he went, no. He said, it was 30 quid in Alfred's. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, went, I said, what? 
yeah, it was 30 quid in Alford. So obviously I had to explain to him like how you transfer a plate and what you have to pay. <laughs> He'd went to Alford's and got a show plate and put it on his car and he was <laughs> just driving around with it for like a month or something. <laughs> Anyway, he rectified that he came in. I think he had 11 duff in the end. And he, he spent a few quid on it. <laughs> See, that's, that's how fucking mad I had mm-hmm. to touch some lads can be. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go out and put that number Yeah. I'll just put that number plate <laughs> on, yeah. But there's loads of stories. There'll be loads of stories throughout all the clubs of people doing that. We had a, we had a lad once. I can't name his name, but he had a house. But he was in debt. Like he, he bought a brand new house, bought all furniture for it, um, but was in debt. And he said to him, well, where's your address? And his address was his mum's house. And he, he wouldn't live at that house because he couldn't afford to live at that house, even though it was his. He said, well, what are you doing with your money? He said, well, I'm going to the casino. <laughs> so he wasn't, he bought a house, furnished it, but didn't live in it, stayed at his mum because he thought it would save him money. <laughs> Didn't even rent it out or anything. Just, just thought if I'm not there, I'm not spending it. You think you were there at pay mortgage? Yeah. We had another lad who went to the casino. <laughs> who, this is, I've got to be careful because I'm, don't, don't, don't at the time there. I was gaffer, so I was only being, I've been gaffer twice, you know what I mean? A different. So he'd come and he said, to him, we knew he'd been to the casino and I knew he'd started. So I got him in and I said, look, what's going on? I said, I know you've been at the casino. He said, oh. he said, I did go. He said, and I wasn't going to stay long. He said, but he said, the machine broke. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was playing like roulette on the, you know, on the digital thing, not the table. I said, yeah. And he was pressing the button. He said, and I was betting. He said, but number 13 kept coming up all the time. And he said, and. I was betting again and I'd press it and number 13 had come up and I was betting. I said, how many times did number 13 come up? He said, well, I counted. It was 15 times. I went, 15 times it come up? I said, you, you must have made a fortune, did you? And he went, no. He said, I'd, I didn't. By the time I'd realised, he said, I went over to get the man to fix the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Sure, surely you're like a thousand, <laughs> thousand pounds up or something with like a quid. No, no, I had to go and get the fella. Fifteen times it done it. That's what you. Sometimes that's what you're dealing with. Fuck me, man. What you're dealing with? I got a then two guy. You know that in the in the levels of the players that you played with. Yeah, it's silly. It, so if if you look at two guy. Right, smokes like a trooper. Like half time, he'd smoke. Not fast. Couldn't really run long distance. Couldn't edit. There was a lot of things he he couldn't do, but he was fucking brilliant. Like ridiculous how good he was. His passing, never seen anything like it. His vision, his awareness of people around him, the way he manipulates the ball. He was just. I mean, he could be looking over there, and you'd make a run, and he'd find you with a mad back heel or a. A little reverse pass. It's like scary. So what soon as we signed him? Yeah. So he'd worked with him in Galatasaray. All right. So I'm just I'm just thinking about the the. Have you ever had anybody who smoked at half time? Emerson uh, did. Emerson smoked did. at half time. So yeah. does the manager not say out to him? No, not when he's as good as him. He so was, is, it, well, he, well, is well, that good? Oh fuck it, he can do well, what he wants. He, he, he was, toilet. 
He'd go in the toilet and he'd be smoking. I think he turned a blind eye, Suey, to it. The lads knew what he was doing, but he, you couldn't knock him. Again, is it the, oh, he's, he's that good, he can do what he wants? Mm, probably. Just mad. I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't think of like, the, a manager who I played for would let me have a faggot after uh, have a shit, but, you know, like anybody in your uh, team, you go, oh, oh, he's having a faggot. In- it's, it, honestly, he must have smoked 80 a day. Right, on that, man. Mm. Quick message for our sponsor for this episode, gentlemen. You know who it is? Who is it? You'll tell me. NordVPN. NordVPN, the best VPN service in the business. By the way, my mate's getting in bother with it. Why? He lives in Spain, right? And he's watching like six games a weekend. His missus is going absolutely oh, off her tits. We're supposed to be getting away from this. Yeah, yeah we've moved out here, away from it all. Uh, and he's watching three three games every Saturday, three games every Sunday. On his VPN, says he says he's back in the UK and can watch it again. Yeah, he's furious. <laughs> so if you don't know what VPN is, you can bounce your location from wherever you are in the world to wherever you need to be. If you want to watch a game, it's only been showing in the UK, and maybe you're you're off on your jollies in Cyprus. It's nice Cyprus, isn't it? Yeah, I like and you Cyprus. can uh, you can bounce back and uh, watch the match, no problem. And and that's not the only the only advantages of NordVPN. It's the military, military style. Military style. Security. Security. For That's you. what we like. Passwords. Your bank details. Anything you don't want anybody getting the grubby mitts on. You can use NordVPN to secure all your information. But, uh, but no, what, what, what I've told him to do is I don't, don't keep watching your football and just get, get rid of her and send her home. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how it's going to go down. I don't know how it's going to transpire. <laughs> he's, uh, but he's saving money anyway, and he's so... We've got an offer, Chris. Oh, we've always got an offer. As always, all you've got to do is follow the link in the description, the NordVPN link, and get this, four months free. How many? Four months. One, two, three, four months free, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, it's not wicked for you. You've got 30 days to get your money back. Well, the link's in the description. Get yourself involved. Was the coaching and management something that you were always? Yeah, I'd, I'd, you always had I always, yeah, I always had an interest in it. I love coaching. If you'd asked me to pick one between coaching and managing, I'd probably pick coaching. Yeah, yeah. I've had a go at managing, love it, but you you need support, and you you get too many chairmen with knee jerk reactions. So it, the first bad spell you get, that's it. You're under pressure, and it could be you've lost three in a row. So what? You need a clear plan at a football club. So you need you need a philosophy. This is how we're playing. And we're going to pick managers to suit that philosophy. We're not going to do it, pick managers to come in and reassemble and reshuffle a squad. So if I'm playing football, the next manager, he's got to play football. And this is our this is the club's philosophy. You've got the players that can Yeah. So you're not all the time regurgitating players. A new man comes in, plays a bit different, doesn't like them, gets rid of all them, brings in people who play long ball gets rid of them when the new manager comes in because he gets the sack after a year because they haven't had what they wanted. And it's all about goals. You should give a manager three seasons and say, right, this is where we're starting at. And in three seasons, we, by the time you've, you should be somewhere near where you want to be. Never going to happen, is it? But then it, no, because chairmen get, they shit themselves. 
And they go, no, this isn't working. He's not the right man. Let's get rid of him. It's Pressure from right. the fans as well. Once yeah. the fans turn. But the, the reality from the chairman needs to be where, uh, just using your example, Hartlepool, where can Hartlepool actually get to? If you want, so my, I was, um, they wanted me to finish 10th. In league? No, this was in the conference when we were in a conference. So I'd, I'd managed Hartlepool in the league, league two. We had a, a chairman who, who couldn't pay the players, so the players weren't getting paid. We were all right, but then we started losing games and the chairman's saying, well, why are we losing games? And I'm saying, well, because you're not paying the players. Oh, so the lads weren't getting paid? No. No, so the, the payday had come. Nothing. I'd get an excuse. Will you have to go and tell the players that so-and-so has happened or this has happened and we'll give them the money. A week went by, two weeks went by, then they'd get paid. Then the next month, it was longer. You're not a football manager then, are you? No. So I'm getting phone calls then off wives saying, listen, the mortgage is late and, you know, I'm really worried. Is, is, are we going to get paid? Or I'm, I'm then having to forget what's going on at football and be honest with the lads. That's when you are honest. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I got a phone call out. one day saying, tell them there's been a flood at the office and the computers have gone down and we'll give them. And this was like about the second or third time where they hadn't been paid. So I had to get the lads in a, in a room and I said, look, I don't want to be filling you with the shit. If, if you want... If you want to get some security and you've got a club, then let's go and sort that Do out. It. This is conference level. This we are like every wage actually matters. But this, mm. yeah. So this is in League Two. Anyway, I ended up the, the club got taken over. They wanted to bring their own man in, um, and I ended up losing my job. But I knew because I was sat at Accrington. We played Accrington away. We drew two two in the game. I'd have got sacked after that. I knew I would if we got beat, but we didn't. We, we played all right and drew but I knew Dave Jones was sat in the stand with our chief exec so the alarm bells you know, you know you're know you not daft you know what I mean mm. it happens in football <clears throat> and, and I don't know old not with, with Dave do you know what I mean that's just that's just what happens and I, I ended up getting the sack a bit like at Grimsby we lost 1-0 at home after playing really well should have won the game but then I get a phone call off the chairman that's it there's just a phone call saying we're going to go a different way but it was because he needed investment and the people he brought in with him wanted their own man. And you understand that. Is this that, uh, was the chairman here, Raj? No, that wasn't him. That no. was a, So I got him involved. So I put him and Jeff Stellan together in a, a consortium to get the club out of, the, the club are going to go bust. Yeah. So I, I sort of introduced them and, and worked as a middleman and then ended up being director of football. Got the club saved. Richard Money gets the job, um, interviewed him, Chairman decided he wanted a disciplinarian who'd been there and done it. And Richard had a really good record and a good a, a good way in the National League. So put him in charge and he lasted eight weeks. Chairman sacked him without me knowing. I'm director of football, by the way. I don't know any of this. We have a meeting the next day. We played Harrogate. Awful, got beat. We had a meeting the next day and Richard said, I think I should swap jobs with Craig. So Craig should manage and I'll be director of football. And I said, I bet you do. And the chairman said, well, I was thinking that as well. So I'm hang on a minute. I'm not, I don't want to be manager. He said, why not? Because I'm, you know, you know me as well as anyone. And he did, you know, he was a friend of mine, the chairman. I said, I know, but I know you, you sack people for fun. I said, I don't want to work like that. And I've been there before and I know what it's like. I said, I'm happy doing director of football. Anyway, he said, well, there might not be a job here next year for you then. So he sort of, yeah, me out. To, again. yeah to, to go and do the, the job and be the manager which I, I did the remit was finished 10th 
we finished somewhere around 10th first season happy okay so I have the end of the season I get rid of some players bring in some more players slash the budget by almost half thinking we've got no chance because the budget's somewhere and it's 600 grand there's clubs in there like Salford had 3 million yeah so we we went right to the end done all right got into the next season and then 15 games into the next season we were four points off a playoff spot but we were 12th so it was really congested the league but I always felt we were going to get get miles better and we had some good good young lads who were doing well and then I get the sack Stockport away no phone call just the chief exec saying oh we're going to make a change and this is me mate who was chairman never spoke to me for three days and then he phoned me said oh, I thought it was too hard but he'd killed me and it, it, it sort of if, if a mate can do that to you, do you know what I mean? Imagine what someone who's not your mate can do. Yeah. It's like, it just sours you a little bit to the managing bit. So I've always thought, if I'm going to go back in, it's as a coach and it'll do, <laughs> I'll do what crew did and develop young kids. I'd rather get the enjoyment of seeing a young kid be developed Irish. and go through to the first team and then, yeah. you know, you, you add sort of, yeah, I'd sort of get more enjoyment and you don't get the, the backstabbing and the, the snakes behind your back. You get a 23's job. It's, it's yours for life if you want it. Hmm. That's about Karanka. Yeah. Before going to that, you know, just as you were out there, Paul Mines, can you remember my chest and volley against yeah, you? Yeah, but I could say you had 10 men. <laughs> Did you just win 1 0 or was it 1 1? Newport. 2 all. Was it 2 all? 2 all. Yeah. Oh, somebody's fired a ball in. Yeah, it was about, unbelievable. About 20. Oh, half 10. Three yards out. Don't worry, mate, he's getting caught out of this. fucking <laughs> not. He's fired the ball to the left winger, but he's undercooked it. So I've chested it up. And I spun on the volley and put it in the bottom corner from 23 yards, maybe. Well, tag it. It was a beauty. Can, we, can we carry on with the podcast now? Hey, or? We'll it was a beauty. Where? We carry on with the podcast? Fuck off. If you're a school of black, we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> so He actually, moving on to Karanka, he doesn't know it, I don't think, but he cost me my job at Middlesbrough. The last minute? Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah. It was an unbelievable foul on Dimmy. Yeah. Um, that was me. probably my best achievement. <laughs> was it wasn't a goal, was it? No, no it was. Oh, know, it don't, was a, don't milk it, John. You know, you've said it once. It was a goal, wasn't it? You scored, didn't you? No, but I didn't score. Who scored it? Rudy. Yeah. So there's a ball gone up. Dimmy is our keeper. I'm, I'm assistant manager at the time. I took Karanka's manager. And he'd, he'd had a little go at me in the game because I was having a pop at the Blackburn bench. So like David Dunn was on a bench and I was... I wasn't, he thought I was being friendly with him, but I wasn't. I was having a pop at Dunny saying, fuck off upside down head and stuff like that. Because <laughs> his head's upside down. If you see Dunny's head, it's like the wrong way. It's upside down. So there'd been a bit, but I had some mate, Craig Short, a really good mate of mine. He was on the bench. So, and I'd been at Blackburn. I knew Gaz Boyer, who's a top, top man. But he'd had a little pop. And Leo was the goalkeeping coach at the time. Had said to me, oh, I told doesn't want you talking to their bench. I said, right, okay. Anyway, we're 1-0 up, last minute, Dimmy goes up, he jumps all over him, climbs all up him, and then the ball falls and Gestead scores. Crank is up, and he's like, how Clattenberg hasn't seen it, I don't know. It was Mark Clattenberg was the, the ref. Um, and he's up, and he's gone to the fourth official, and I can see he's going to grab hold of him. So I get up, and I get him in front of them, but he grabs him and he's shaking him, saying it's a foul, it's a foul, right? Crankle. Yeah, right? shaking the fourth of the fish. So I have had to get him. I split them up and then I go to chase the, the linesman. And then the final whistle goes and I go in and, and we go in the back room where the staff were. 
and Itop calls me in. He says, um, where were you when me and my staff were fighting? I said, it was, you weren't fighting. He said, yes. He said, you're not loyal to this football club or me and my staff. You're not one of us. I said, and at this point, it like, it takes a lot to get me riled. Do you know what I mean? But I can feel myself going and I'm ready to go. And he says, yeah, you're not loyal to this football club. And I said, yeah, I've been at this football club 20 years. Who do you think you're talking to? All I wanted to do is help you. That's it. I said, I'm not friends with, with anyone there. I've been at Blackburn. I said, I wasn't being pally-pally with them. Yes, you were. You're not loyal to me or my staff. I went, right, fuck off. And I turned round and I slammed the door, walked off. And I've walked into a back room where we get changed. And as I've done that, he's come following me. And he's, he's walked right up to me. Don't you ever slam the door in my face? I said, I didn't. And he went to come forward as if he was going to punch me. So I went forward to punch him. I thought, I've had enough. So I'd gone. Like the red mist had come down. Leo had jumped in the way. And then he, he took him out. I got changed and went home. And I thought, well, I'll get a phone call saying, I'm sorry about that. I was out of order. Off him, because I thought he was out of order. No, nothing come. Went in the next day, Sunday, set training up like a normal. You're his did. assistant manager. Yeah. So set training up. And then Leo comes down again and says, Oh, Ito doesn't want you on the training ground today. I said, Right, where is he? He said he's upstairs in the office. So I go back up the office. And I knew something was up because when I was going up to the office, Peter Kenyon was there at the time. He was he was involved in the club and involved with Ito and and he'd come down and normally Peter's would be great with me, but he just said to me, um, morning, Higgy. And that was it. And then carried on walking. Normally he'd stop. And I was surprised he didn't say, oh, what about yesterday? What happened yesterday? So I walked up. I told walk past my office, didn't say a word to me. Then come back and then looked in and said, has Leo spoke to you? I said, yeah. He said, okay. And carried on walking. And I'm thinking, well, what the fuck does that mean? Do you want me to say sorry to you? Or why haven't you said sorry to me? Anyway, I went home and then I got a phone call saying that I'd come and meet the chief exec. But I knew it was like, I knew what was going to happen. So I went in and just said, look, I know what you're going to do, but I can't work with him. So you're going to have to fucking look after me. And that was it. That's all I said. But they thought I'd punched him. So I'd got a phone call saying, well, you know, you can't punch your manager. Or why did you punch him? I said, I didn't punch him. He went to punch me. And then I just went back. I wish I had clipped him. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, because he was a nightmare. It was like a proper nightmare to work with. He was all right at first, but then started like talking Spanish in front of me to his, his staff, and I was the only English lad on the staff. He just, he was just weird. Everything that was good was him. Everything that was bad was your fault or your fault or your fault. And you knew what was going to happen, because I'd said when I left to the chief exec, I said, you'll be doing this again, because he'd already got rid of Jamie Clapham. He got rid of me. That was the space of less than two years. He had Steve Agnew after that, but he'd walked out in the meantime as well. Karanka had walked out. So he was just, he was real difficult to work with. He couldn't work with him. So how come you were his assistant manager then? If he fetched all this other Spanish staff in? Because he had, he wanted someone who'd been at the club and who, who knew the league and who knew the area mm. to help him. And, and the club had said, well, I was doing the job at Hartlepool. I was assistant manager to Colin Cooper. And they'd come and sort of headhunted me, if you like. I went and met him. Got on all right with him when I first met him. Um, 
And how yeah. long into it were you like, this, 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 isn't gonna, this isn't going to Six gonna weeks, five weeks. Stewie slaughtered him, didn't he? Stewie yeah. down and slaughtered him. Mm. <coughs> six, six weeks, five weeks. I knew he'd made a mistake. Should have stayed with Coops at Hartlepool. Yeah. But I couldn't, you, you can't turn it down really. Yeah. You know, it's Middlesbrough and it was... Not sentimental. Yeah, and it was a, in the championship. Um, I just I just felt it was one of them where I couldn't, t- if I'd have turned yeah. it down, I'd have been stupid. I've gotten plenty of my own. Yeah. getting plenty of my own managers and staff sacked. The first opposition <laughs> coach <I've had. laughs> <laughs> another one. Another he one put it in his book, Clattenburg, that it's a, one of the biggest bollock, bollocks he's ever dropped. Did he? Mm. Well, he cost so he's me autobiography. an absolute fortune. But it, honestly, it was an unbelievable foul, wasn't it? It was just the one, though. One elbow. <laughs> I don't know whether you handballed it as well, did you? <laughs> well, it as well. I, think I, did. <laughs> I think there was an elbow, there was a push, and there was an handball. Just to <laughs> place Three it fouls in one. <laughs> it's roll, though, isn't it? We'll take the point yeah, and move yeah, on. Draw. Yeah. Is he a good manager? Karanga. Do you know what? There was some really good bits. So like his training was really well thought out. It was all Mourinho stuff. So he'd got it off Mourinho. He'd been assistant to Mourinho at Real Madrid. And he'd, all the stuff was was like that. It was all five minutes here. You do four minutes there, three minutes there, two minutes, five minutes. It was all like, but it was all set up. So you just move from one to one. To, and it was great. I tried to take what I could to Hartlepool with me with that. And his prep for the games so like the team talks and you know the slideshows and all that they were spot on he was meticulous yeah. in detail but they kept getting longer and longer as it went on in the end we used to have two meetings so you'd have a meeting for about 20 minutes and then you'd have another meeting with set pieces for about 20 minutes it just got too long the thing is when you say that you try to take it to Hallipool there's only so much you yeah. can give players at that level you can you can simplify everything so I'd look at what we what we couldn't do or what we weren't doing very well and I'd put little little training bits so you do little bits of everything. But in the end, you, you do have to spend more time because I think the higher up you go, the less you have to tell players. The yeah. lower down you go, the more you have to drum it in. It's no good me saying to someone twice, "Do you, this is da-da-da. You, you're constantly saying it all the time. And that's the difference really for me. Ability-wise... Some really good players down the lower lower leagues and conference, but it's it's retaining the information that you're getting. It and, seems and to work smaller than with better players, doesn't it? Oh, all the time because they, they they're clever. Mm. They know what they're doing. Again, they might be the best coach in the world, but if you're a bad man manager, no, it's not going to work. It's like in, in players. If you haven't got the right players, if you haven't got good players, you can be the best coach in the world, and you can teach them to be hard to beat. But then going the other way and trying to score a goal, you know, you've got no chance. Mm. You're going to lose games because you can't sit back and well, he, he used to try it a little bit. He was very defensive, I thought, where you'd try and nick a game 1-0. That's not me. I can't do that. I'd rather lose a game 5-4. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, what's uh, what's the future old? I don't know. I'm, um, I'm lucky because I work for BBC Merseyside. I follow Liverpool around. So I go and commentate in all the Liverpool games and it's brilliant. And I do all the games sort of north of Birmingham and all the home games. Um, the only thing we don't do is the Champions League games, which is a pity. Do we get in them? We're blowing you know, it. Yeah, still get tickets though? Yeah. No. Oh, the bastards. No. <laughs> no, it's a nightmare. No. Can't get tickets for home games, but it's um, it's brilliant. I mean, I've, watched, I've done it for maybe three years now. Even when I was manager, I was going to do some of the games in the midweeks and stuff, but they, they're just unbelievable. How you see them play and the, the pattern of the game is the same all the time. It doesn't change. It's just exactly the same patterns to games. And it's just interesting watching other teams cope with it. And they try different things to cope with it. 
but they've got all the answers. It might be different with Mane gone. I don't know what Nunes will shape like, but with mm. Diaz and Salah, it's like unbelievable. You're still looking good, Nick. Are you doing a bit of training? Yeah, I, I do. I um, I do bits and bobs. I box quite a lot. I've been boxing for a few years now. And <laughs> lost a few, weren't you? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> we'll try outside. <laughs> it's only down here. We'll go down there to ring. <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah, but if, try and keep myself all right. I can't run no more. I had a, a hip replacement. So, but that's been the best thing I've ever had done because it's just given me a normal life again. I was limping, couldn't put socks on, couldn't put shoes on. I, it was that bad in the end. I, when I was assistant with Colin Cooper, I put the mascots costume on. Right, so Angus the monkey. I, was, I put it on to, to give Luke James an award, but I didn't want to tell Coops because I was gonna I was gonna slap Coops and jump on him and stuff like that. So as I've come round the corner in this it's a full monkey's uniform, like a big <laughs> Angus. Coops has said straight away that Iggy. Because he could see the limp, the limp. in in the monkey's uniform. <laughs> I was like, just killed it all for me. <laughs> it got really bad. A limping monkey. Yeah. But since I've had it done, I'm, I'm good as gold again. Yeah, I'm good as gold. Oh, brilliant, man. No, top man, man. Yeah, yeah, cheers, not a problem. Top man. Enjoyed it. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.